Hey, welcome to Stuff with Steve. And today we're going to talk about how to misapply your Bible. Hmm. Yeah, we're not going to talk about how to apply your Bible. Well, we'll get to there in a minute, but how people misapply the Bible, and it gets them in all kinds of trouble. And sometimes we misapply the Bible, and it's actually kind of no big deal, and I'll explain that in a minute. But uh, here's my classic illustration. I can take my Bible, and I can flip through it, and I can come to verse that says, Judas hanged himself. Ooh. And then I turn turn to another place in the Bible and just pick a verse that says, go and do likewise. Yeah, Nick's laughing at me. Nick's laughing at me. But, uh, you know, that's kind of ridiculous. I get that. But I think that's sometimes in a way uh, – and in a way, that's what people do. They just pick and choose what they want to read and they find support for what they want to believe and how they want to act by cherry-picking verses from the Bible that might not have anything to do with their lives, with the issue at hand. Or they might pick and choose Bible verses that, that could uh, justify their actions. So we, I just call that you know, mis- misapplying, misapplying the Bible and so forth. So I'm going to give you my classic verse that, that just kind of – Kind of uh, drives me bonkers a little bit. Can I say that, Nick? Bonkers? I think that's appropriate. Bonkers, yeah. People will understand. Okay, so it's James 1.19, and it says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So... A lot of times we talk about this verse and we talk about, oh, you know, this verse is about marriage and relationships, and it's just listening to people. God gave Nick two ears and one mouth, so Nick, you need to listen twice as much as you talk. Okay, so that's that's the thing. And somebody can get up and say, oh, and what we need to do in our relationships is to be more to be more active in listening to people and really absorbing because you need to listen to people so that you can understand them. You don't listen to people so that you can be quick to reply and be in an argument about. It. You need to understand where they're coming from. After all, the Bible says to be quick to be quick to listen and slow to speak. So we need to really slow down and start listening to each other and listening to people. And James 1:19 is our is our go-to verse for that. Now then, James 1.19, this whole thing about be quick to speak, slow to listen. It's the other way around, isn't it? <laughs> I just said it, okay. It's to be quick to listen, slow to speak. See, I'm talking so fast. I'm getting so excited about this, where we're going here, that I kind of lost track. Anyway, with the uh, this verse, we launch onto that and think it applies to relationship. Now, I think it's great advice to listen well to people. I, I just wholeheartedly believe that. I, I think listening to people and slowing down and understanding them is fantastic. I do it all the time. Um, I do it all the time when I interact with people. It's just it's just probably one of the better things that I do. People often say, reflect back to me that I'm good at listening. But this verse has absolutely nothing to do nothing to do with marriage. It has nothing to do with human relationships. It has nothing to do. If you look through James, the entire book, in fact, I just word searched it, you will not find the word husband or wife or marriage. 
The topics of being married, husbands and wives, is not found in the book of James. James didn't write this to tell us how to have good listening habits. Now, then, this is a, it's true we need to have good listening habits, but this is not the verse for it. So, what does this verse, what's he talking about? Well, in the context, he's talking about listening to God's word. Because the, the section is all about, is all about, uh, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says, verse 22. So the entire section is about knowing God's word and doing God's word. And actually, I believe this verse is the outline of the book of James. It's telling us to listen to God's word and put it into practice. Chapter 2 of James is about uh, don't let your faith be dead, put it to Put good works with it, keep it alive and functioning. Chapter three is about is about the tongue, and so we're doing God's word by not, um, you know, guarding our words, and, and so forth. In chapter four, we have the sections on on walking with God. There, so it's all about God's word, and and putting it into action is what is what that. This is what it's about. In fact, in chapter four, it says, uh, submit to God, you know, be humble and submit to him and don't boast about what you're going to do tomorrow. Trust God for your future. So the entire book is about, is about um, listening to God and then responding to him. Be quick to listen to God and be quick to do what he says. And don't be angry in response to what God is telling you to do or your circumstances around you. So that's the basis of that, of that verse. So a lot of people quote that. Kind of, I've been to I don't know how many marriage conferences in my life, and they always use this verse. And I'm sitting in the back room as a pastor going, that's great advice, but it's not what, it's not what that verse means. It's, it's just not what it means. So one of the largest mistakes Christians can make is that we might have good theology and good beliefs, but then we make bad applications. Bad applications. You could go to a lot of other verses that would say basically the same thing about human relationships and find an anchor for those thoughts, but it shouldn't be James chapter 1, verse 19. And I'll tell you why it said not helpful to do that is because then we lose the emphasis in the book of James that we need to listen to God's word and do it. We lose that because all of a sudden we're thinking about marriage. We're thinking about relationships. When in fact, I ought to be thinking about, I need to listen to God and do it. That's where my spiritual maturity comes from. I'm I'm doing my spiritual workout from it. And so, because we misapplied the Bible, our emphasis is is off focus. Another place where I find that to be the case is is Matthew chapter seven, verse one, which Jesus says it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Probably the most famous sermon ever. And Jesus, I think he spoke for like thirty-one minutes. That's why I try to speak thirty-one minutes. I'm just kidding, Nick. I don't know how long you talk. And. He said, he said, judge not, lest you be judged. And I'm kind of guessing that outside of John 3.16, oh, no, no, no. I'm probably guessing. I'd like to know what you think. I think unbelievers have that verse memorized more than any other verse in the Bible. Stop judging me. 
you're just judging me. Stop judging me. So what is Jesus really saying there? Well, I do think it's a strong statement about how we respond to people. And he says, judge not lest you be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use will be measured to you. And then he goes into talking about this, you got a log in your eye or a speck, you know, you take it out before you start doing eye surgery on your brother. So there are other places in the Bible that tell us to make judgments. So how are we going to reconcile that? First Corinthians 5, Paul says, judge for yourselves. Kick that guy out of your church who's uh, sexually abusing other people. I mean, I mean that's – right? So, so we have other verses in the Bible like that. So I think this verse is about not necessarily not making judgments. Don't be hypercritical of people. So the word is crino, judge not, and it was at one point when we talk about judgment, let's say 100 years ago in American vocabulary, we would say a person that has good judgment. You know, they, they make, they're able to discern right from wrong. They're able to make good judgments. So in that context, it's a good thing to be able to make a judgment call on something. Hey, should we go this direction to the left or go this direction to the right? Well, and you'd say they had good judgment and they picked the right fork in the road to go. So we could say that. And so what Jesus Jesus is saying here, I think, is, is don't usurp the place of God and judge people concerning their eternal destiny. And be careful, be careful that you don't judge people and be hypocritical about it. So that's why he's talking about in this kind of verse, uh, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the log in your own eye? You know, don't, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be hypocritical. Because sometimes we do have to make judgments. So I'll give you kind of an example just in my life. So before Mary and I had kids, I would see parents with unruly children. I would think, they must be lousy parents. <laughs> I would think, can't they get that baby to quit crying? Why don't they get that kid to stop running around? He's putting jello on the floor or, or he's coloring outside the lines and he's coloring on the table now. And just I would just have those thoughts. They must be lousy parents. You know, and I'm just being overly critical, right? right? I just, and then guess what happened? You became a parent. I became a parent. It was right on, right? I became a parent. I'm like, this is not so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I was just being a hypocrite, right? You know, and, and probably out of ignorance, out of ignorance, I would think that, but I was overly critical, hypercritical, I would call it. I think there are a lot of ways in our society we could be hypercritical of people just simply because we haven't been in their shoes before. We don't have any empathy for them or for their situation, their context. Well, if that had been me, I wouldn't have made that choice. And Well, you probably don't know everything, and so you are in that spot of um, being critical when you don't really understand or know all the information, and that's not good either. So I think, I think to say patently that we should never make judgment calls is not what Jesus is referring to. That's not what he's talking about. So so we talk about how to misapply the Bible, and I think in these instances it's pulling something out of context 
They say in real estate, the most important thing is location, location, location. When you read the Bible, it's context, context, context. And a couple things will help me in making sure that I have a little bit more focus on applying the Bible correctly to my life. So one thing is that I think it's really helpful to observe the entire book of the Bible that you're reading or the, or the uh, chapter that you're reading. So if you do that with the book of James and kind of read the entire chapter, then go back to that verse, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Then you go, oh, it's talking about God's word here. It's very clear in this section. So I think learning to read large chunks of the Bible when you read is really helpful. Sometimes these reading plans have you reading maybe two or three verses, and then that's it. I prefer, this is a preference for me, that that, uh, people would read big chunks of it, like a chapter or even several chapters of the Bible. The other thing that I think is helpful in reading, and it depends on your version of the Bible, so is to read, is to think this, the main point that like Paul would be making or James is is found in the paragraph, not in a single sentence. And that helps us with the context also. So it's the paragraph, not the verse, that is the basic main, main point. And I think that helps us to uh, keep us out of trouble when it comes to interpreting the Bible. There's also another thing is that we have to understand that I believe the Bible's literal, but I believe there's lots of metaphors and figures of speech and illustrations. So when I say that I believe the Bible's literally, that means I read it. Don't get this wrong. I read it like I read the newspaper. When I read the newspaper, I read the, I, I can distinguish between the advertising section and the sports section and the opinion pieces and letters to the editor. So I read them like, oh, that's a letter. That's somebody giving their opinion. Or this is a uh, AP News article, and they're talking about, about, about a news story. So I know there's a difference there. And I think we should approach the Bible like that in a way because there's poetry in the Bible and different kinds of literature all within the Bible. There are historical sto- um, stories, and there are prophecies, prophetic books of the Bible. So those are all very different. But often they use figures of speech. So let me give you an example of this that – and it, it'll seem silly. The Lord is my rock. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean he's something that I pick up off the ground and I throw? Does that mean he's, God is a rock and I can skip him across the water? How many skips can you get, Nick? On a good day, I could probably get four. You're younger than me. How many – uh, my record is 12. At 12. some point in my life, I'd love to get 20. 20. Well, 12 is a biblical number because there are 12 disciples and 12 tribes of Israel, and certain cars have 12 cylinders. So I think that's biblical. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So the God is my rock. So that's a real interesting thing, isn't it? Because is that something I climb on? You know, there's, there's Smith Rock. So God is Smith Rock. I got to the – well, I didn't get to the top top, but I walked around the whole thing up that uh, really difficult part, but someone get the ropes out, they scale the top, oh, they're on top of God. Isn't that wonderful? So what does it mean that God is our rock? Well, it's a metaphor. It's not literal. And it just helps us understand that God is our is our fortress or our the place that we can take uh, safety in and security. It's safety and security. 
And so when we read the Bible, we need to understand some of those illustrations and metaphors and that there are different kinds of literature in the Bible, and that's helpful to us as well. So when it comes to reading scripture, I think of a couple things. One, I like to read large sections and entire books when I'm reading. Two, I take notes. And Nick was with me. I got coffee stains, <laughs> ripped up pages in my Bible, and uh, lots of things kind of underlined. I started underlining so much that I gave it up because I was underlining everything. And and then I try to always think through, well, what's the main – what's he really telling me here? What is God saying? What is God saying? And then what does it mean? And then what should I do? Those are three questions that I always – I don't have it here in front of me, but I would write out, what does this – what do I read here? What is God saying? What does it mean? What does it mean to be quick to hear, slow to speak? And then how might that apply to me? And that keeps me that keeps me rooted in Scripture, so when I go to apply the Bible to my life, I've got it anchored in something that's, that's a true and authentic in my life. So we can misapply the Bible in a lot of ways, but I think that will help us to to keep us focused on the right things in Scripture. Well, that was uh, stuff with stuff with Steve today, as we talk about how to misapply the Bible and simply to take it out of context and then apply it in a willy-nilly way, which those things might be true, but they may not be accurate when it comes to anchoring them to your scripture. Hey, that's it for today, and grace and peace be with you.